Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. A lot of people are unhappy with their cable companies. Even so, hearing this story, many people say, ooh, that seems extreme. Even to do that to a cable company. <laughs> it's an update to a story I already did. In the original story, a jury had told a cable company they had to pay somebody $7 billion. And a judge has now struck that down. And I had said in my original video that it was probably going to get reduced but not completely eliminated, and that's what happened. So this is from Ars Technica. John Brodkin wrote it. Marcus, send it me. Thanks a lot. Judge rules Charter must pay $1.1 billion after murder of cable customer. The judge lowered the $7 billion award, but agrees that Charter is liable and must pay something. The question is, was $7 billion appropriate? Was $1 billion appropriate? Or what's really appropriate here? So Charter Communications must pay over $1.1 billion, when you do all the math on this, to the estate and family of an 83-year-old woman who's murdered in her home by a Spectrum cable technician. It's according to a Dallas County Court judge ruling just the other day. A jury in the same court had previously ordered Charter to pay $7 billion in punitive damages and $337 million in compensatory damages. So compensatory damages literally mean that the judge has the jury say, what is it going to take to make this person whole, to compensate them for what they've been through? So that's compensatory damages. Punitive damages are exactly what you think they are. How much would you award if you thought they needed to be punished? And to punish them, $7 billion. To compensate them, $337 million. The damages are split among the estate and four adult children of the victim. Meanwhile, the judge did not change the compensatory damages, but lowered the punitive damages awarded to family to $750 million. So it turns out, and, and I, I, these are rough numbers, but it looks kind of like the judge said, I'm going to take the compensatory damages, double that, that'll become the punitive damages. Ballpark. But it, it's... it's <laughs> Numbers this large, does it really matter? And also, don't forget that a lot of this involves interest. Interest can accrue on a judgment very quickly. The pre-judgment interest on the damages pushes Charter's total liability to over $1.1 billion. It now, it is not surprising, John Brodkin writes, that the judge lowered the payout in which the jury decided punitive damages should be 20 times what the compensatory damages were. And a lot of people have discussed this in particular. Should the compensatory damages be used to calculate the punitive damages? In other words, if we think it's going to take X to make somebody whole, should the punitive damages be simply a multiplier of X, 2X, 3X, whatever it might be? That's one question. And the courts don't often give exact mathematical models for things like this, but the courts have addressed it. So a 9 to 1 ratio is often seen as the ceiling, the maximum, because of a 2023 U.S. Supreme Court case that said, in practice, few awards exceeding a single-digit ratio between punitive and compensatory will satisfy due process. So going beyond a single digit, which would be 9, uh, would be too much, 9x. So I'll talk to you a little bit in a second about that case that he's referencing. There's a case called State Farm versus uh, Campbell. But um, former Spectrum technician Roy Holden pleaded guilty to the murder in 2019 of a customer and was sentenced to life in prison 
2021. Charter was accused of hiring the man without verifying his employment history and ignoring a series of red flags about his behavior, which included stealing credit cards and checks from elderly female customers. So that's the reason that the jury thought that this liability belonged with the cable company. And I know a lot of people who say, Steve, you know something? It sounds like that guy was you know, going a little bit beyond the scope of what his job was. And to hold the cable company liable for that seems a little extreme. That might be. But we're talking about two different issues here. And I've often mentioned before that when it comes to a lawsuit that results in damages, you've got to have two things. You have to have liability and actual damages. And so there are cases where someone could be liable for something, but nobody got hurt. So there's no damages and you have zero. Think of them as multiplied together. It doesn't matter how much liability you've got with no damages, nothing. Likewise, you can have huge damages and no liability and somebody gets nothing. So there are people out there who say, you know something, I don't think the charter cable company was liable here, despite the fact that a wrongful death is obviously huge damages. And that's one of the arguments being made. The second question, of course, is how do you calculate punitive damages? And they give juries instructions. And they say, here's what you should do. Look at the following factors. And the factors are often these nebulous things. And so what often happens is evidence will get in in front of the jury about how much money somebody has or how much money they make. And you'll often hear things like, here's how much money this company makes in one day. Just one day. Maybe that would be a good punitive thing to do is award all that money from one day to this victim here. And so there's all kinds of things, and whether that's admissible or not varies wildly from state to state. Some states don't have punitive damages, generally speaking, and other states do. Some states have capped the awards and said, it doesn't matter what a jury can say, we're going to give you 16 kajillion dollars. You're going to be capped as to what you can get. So the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2003, in the case I mentioned, State Farm versus Campbell, had a whole discussion on this, and again, did not lay out a mathematical formula. They just simply said, here are some considerations. And they said, in the past, we have instructed courts reviewing punitive damages to consider three guideposts, three things to look at. One, the degree of reprehensibility of the defendant's misconduct. How bad were their actions? How bad were they? Number two, the disparity between the actual or potential harm suffered by the plaintiff and the punitive damages award. So they do tell you to specifically look at the actual damages and compare them to the punitive damages. And then three, the difference between the punitive damages awarded by the jury and civil penalties authorized or imposed in comparable cases. So they're saying if there's actually a parallel kind of case here, that would involve a monetary fine, perhaps you can look at that. And that's one of the things that very few people want to do because fines issued by the state, although they might seem draconian to you when you want to pay them, won't seem that big when compared to other punitive damage awards. So for instance, if there was a statute on the books that said, if you're liable for the wrongful death of somebody, you can be fined this much money, the Supreme Court is saying you should probably take a look at that statute and say, well, that's what the state has already defined as being the value of somebody's life in a situation like that. Now, there's not always going to be parallel statutes, but trust me, they'll be able to find something to look at. But I would point out to you that of the three things they point to, 
They said, we reiterated the importance of these three guideposts in Cooper Industries, and we mandated appellate courts to conduct reviews of a trial court's application of them to the jury's award. Exacting appellate review ensures that an award of punitive damages is based upon an application of law rather than a decision maker's caprice. Now, here's the thing. You'll notice that nowhere in here does it give you a formula. It does not say actual damages are this, multiply it by this, equals punitive damages. It doesn't say that. It just says look at the disparity between the actual and punitive, look at the degree of reprehensibility, and look at the difference between the punitive damages award and potential civil penalties authorized if they exist. So that's the clear guidelines from the U.S. Supreme Court. And it's a fascinating idea because we've talked before about how we want the laws to be clear because we don't want anyone to ever say, I wasn't aware I was breaking the law or I had no idea that would happen if I did this. So we'd like there to be bright lines on everything. Could the Supreme Court say, going forward, we're going to say punitive damages should always be no more than four times actual damages or no more than nine times actual damages. They could say that. Uh, I suspect the reason they don't say that is there really is no logical reason to pick one number over another. A range, maybe, but most people would recognize that if they use the number nine or the number seven or the number five, they'd be simply yanking numbers out of uh, thin air. And so that, I suppose, is something I doubt the Supreme Court will ever address mathematically. I doubt they're ever going to say, here is the multiplier. Now, could a state legislature do that? Yeah, they could. A state legislature could do that because they've already been allowed to cap damages and they've already been allowed to do away with punitive damages. Many states, like I said, don't have them. If the Supreme Court is okay with that, then they'd certainly be okay with a state saying your uh, punitive damages can never be more than some multiplier of the actual damages. But as of right now, that's not the case. However, Charter has been ordered to pay a $1.1 billion judgment. That's a judgment that was entered. Will they pay it? Well, I can tell you right now, they can always take that up on appeal on a variety of other issues. But uh, this was always the first swing you take at the judgment. and You try to get the judgment reduced or thrown out altogether. I'm sure they asked to be thrown out, but judge wouldn't do that. But the judge did say, I'll knock it down substantially. So, hey, it wasn't a total loss. They saved $6 billion. <laughs> The question is, if they had to cut a check for $1.1 billion today, what would it do to the company? And one other thing I'd like to point out, I've had people say, Steve, somebody gets a big judgment like this, the first thing to do is they file an appeal just to run out the clock. They're just wasting time. They're going to run out the clock. Well, you have to understand that many states, if not most states, possibly all states, I don't know, I haven't checked all 50 of them, um, to file an appeal, you have to post a bond to prove that you're not doing it for dilatory purposes. So, if you get hit with a judgment for a million dollars and you want to appeal that, a court likely is going to say, okay, post a bond for $1.5 million. One and a half times the judgment amount, just to make sure you're not just goofing around here. And the good news is when you go up on appeal and you lose, the other side can go after the bond and go, hey, there's our money. Don't have to chase these people to collect them. So um, there have been situations before where somebody's gotten a huge judgment against them appealed it, and lost. The other side's like, hey, great. Money's already there. 
<laughs> saves us the trouble of going and trying to shake them to get the money out of them. So there you go. We'll see what happens. I suspect another appeal is coming. But the question is, if an appeal is made, will they have to then post a bond for, I don't know, $1.6 billion? <laughs> I'm only laughing because the number is so large. And, and it's a large number like that that you so rarely hear in legal circles. So Ars Technica published it. John Brodkin wrote it. Marcus sent it. Thanks a lot. Judge rules Charter must pay $1.1 billion after murder of cable customer. But that was a reduction from the $7 billion that the uh, jury had suggested. Questions or comments? Put them below. Let's talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. If we were meant to stay in one place, we'd have roots instead of feet.